1: Hello, and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at to Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel as we get ready to dra- dive into one of the most popular pieces that goes up on Road of His every single year. That is the Zero RB list, and that goes from 15 through to 1. It is a three part series from Sean Siegel each and every year. It has come out, Sean, over the last week, and it has been very, very popular. Fantastic reading through it, fantastic. No surprise that listeners of the show will have heard us talk about some of these players over the coming or over the previous months. But what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about some of the guys that maybe made the list that we haven't fully touched on. But as always, Sean, it's an exciting time of the season when we get to this point. But uh congratulations on a, another fantastic piece. And when you read through the hits over the, the last couple of years in terms of how it has done 2015, Devontae Freeman was the running back number one overall we have 2016 with Melvin Gordon who knows maybe he sneaks back around again into it this year and then we have Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara in 2017, James White, Tariq Cohen, Chris Carson 2018, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders 2019, James Robinson, Antonio Gibson 2020, last year had James Conner who was a massive massive success and then down the stretch, Devin Singletary and Rashad Penny were the league winning running backs that you had to have. So we're going to dive into it today, Sean, but once again, awesome, awesome work on the zero RB list.
2: Well, thank you. Mostly it's just about the players, right? I mean, the players are the ones who really put this together by all of their amazing work through college and then battling to get into these situations on the teams we don't want to go too much into zero RB itself for this show. I mean, that's not what this specific show is about, but when you go back and look through the successes on the list, it really reinforces how the overall process works, right? And one of the things that you have at the running back position is that it's difficult to play two stars. And so if you have this backup with elite talent, often they're not going to play much at all early as a result they don't get drafted that early that is a dynamic we're seeing change a little bit this season and you look at the prices on some guys like aj Dillon and pollard and you think to yourself uh, in years past you'd be able to easily draft these players as zero rb candidates in this season I, I really feel like they are priced out and so some of the best contingency based plays are are going As though that possibility exists, that's not something that I'm chasing necessarily. I think we have to focus on the other options, but I'm also not saying that won't work because one of the things that we do see throughout history is that these guys come through and when they come through, they score a lot of points and it's shocking just how high in the overall finishes some of these running backs end up, but it's also an element where the points that they score are often so concentrated during the times of the season that are most important to us that, I mean, you're upside on a zero RB team. And then one of the things that we also mention is that uh, this list isn't just for this very select group of drafters. It's great for you. If you're doing anchor RB, even if you have a hyper fragile team and you're just going to select maybe one, two running backs late, you still want those guys to put up points, right? If you draft a hyper fragile team and one of your running backs early gets hit, then you're down to two and you're thinking, I mean, I need a, Points from those other players, especially in best ball, where you can't swap them out. But even in in redraft and FFPC main events, you you need to have a little bit of redundancy. And so, making sure we maximize our chances at the really big play is a key part to winning in fantasy. Is one of the reasons why structure matters. But then structure within the context of we also need to be drafting the right types of players. And one of the things that was kind of fun this year. It doesn't always work out this way. I'm not trying to force this necessarily but i do kind of run the countdown in reverse order of adp and so we work back from the very cheapest to the guys who are starting to get up to the edge of the dead zone there and this season it was fun because the 15 to 11 had this theme of extreme athletes with also very inexpensively priced receptions the 10 through 5 through 6 list was very heavy on pure breakout candidates always a fun group to be looking at there and then the five through one I don't know, we're getting some of these same guys back who've already done it for us right so we have some veteran i wouldn't say superstar I, you know me colin i'm not someone who necessarily avoids hyperbole i think it can be can be fun to you know just be enthusiastic so not but but superstars would be a stretch but veteran
1: Superstar 0RB, guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, elite, borderline elite players who are yeah. still very inexpensive, right? And so those three groups, uh, today we're going to talk about one player from each. And one of the things I like about 0RB is that you can put some different profiles onto your team and they can do different things for you throughout the course of the season. You have some different ways to get it done. That That's another little thing that I like In terms of how some of the tactics can get you through to where you need to be
1: yeah and i think uh, the first guy we're going to talk about today so we are going to take one from each of the three pieces the articles themselves will be linked in today's show notes so you can check them out up on rotavis.com quick plug if you are signed up to rotavis.com you're not already a member you can use the promo code rbradio 2021 at checkout to get yourself a 10 percent discount to gain access to all of our content and tools but sean the first guy on the list an interesting backfield, the talk all offseason has been around Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Pacheco, Ronald Jones's continued descent down <laughs> draft boards and his ADP crashing. But the guy who we've been drafting quite late in a lot of these drafts throughout the offseason is Jarek McKinnon. He's had a little bit of a tour around the NFL in, in recent times, but was with the Chiefs last year, had some nice games down the stretch. But you mentioned the athletic profiles of some of these guys in the 15 up to 10 range and Jarek McKinnon when he is healthy, is, uh, has, has elite
2: elite athleticism. He really does, and you, and you set that up nicely, talking about the Chiefs' backfield and how it is one of the most interesting backfields because if anybody ever really emerged, you could have this Kareem Hunt type of season, the types of points that he was putting up before he had his problems and got released from the Chiefs.
1: The dream, Sean, would have been if the Chiefs had drafted Jonathan Taylor.
2: Yeah, I would, that, that's, that's not a bad dream. You know, if they drafted DeAndre Swift, you know, there were some routes to getting there. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire has continued to look very pedestrian in his limited number of preseason carries. Again, we don't want to overemphasize those. But at, with CEH, with you're looking for any spark, right? And we just we don't necessarily get that. You also don't get the impression that he's impressed that much In practice, which is one of the reasons that Isaiah Pacheco has been such a sensation now in the last week or so, he has started to fade a little bit. Whether or not that's justified, I think, is up in the air. I've always been a little bit skeptical there because he doesn't have the production that you would really be looking for. Now we know that Rutgers was not a particularly good team. It's going to be harder to be a star at Rutgers than, say, at Alabama. You're running behind very different offensive lines. And yet, a player at the level he supposedly has been in practice during training camp you would expect him to be able to overcome the situation there in Rutgers more than he has. But you have special athleticism from him. You have special athleticism from McKinnon in the past. You have Ronald Jones, who actually was a big play threat, at least, again, in the past. The guy who has supposedly looked the best has been Pacheco, but then emerging recently is McKinnon. We talk about watching the preseason. People just want any kernel... Of intel that they can get from the way that these teams are playing the guys the fact that pacheco has fallen back into you know what we might consider it's not a timeshare it's just like a handful of plays in which the teams are trying to kind of see what they have in many ways we're probably more at risk of making a judgment that puts us way off of where we need to be than actually finding some under the radar thing that then gets us onto the right player but one of the reasons why I like McKinnon is that he finished the season out hot last year. And so you have that track record. You know he can score within the context of this offense. And he's the least expensive. And so those are two things that will really help you. You mentioned how athletic he is. You pull up the road combine explorer and you see that he had 98th percentile 40 time, 98th percentile bench press. I mean, this guy, an athletic freak, 92nd percentile three cone, 99th percentile broad jump. 96 percentile vertical leap. Then you think back to uh, not that long ago when he's more or less being deactivated, you know, sent to the sidelines because of dead legs became a real punchline in the fantasy community. And it's important to remember that football players, especially running backs, age very, very quickly. Now, I do mention a couple other guys in these articles or in this specific article who are also older backs to where the information gleaned from practice tracking will confirm that the athleticism is still there you watch what McKinnon did in the playoffs last season the athleticism still seems to be there you see him catch a third down outlet pass from Patrick Mahomes he's the guy who is intuitive in the receiving game where the other three players really are not He's the guy who, when he catches it out there, can get to the edge, can get around the corner, can get that first down. You know, keeping these drives alive is the most important thing for NFL teams. You have a limited number of possessions in a football game. You saw that kill the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game in the second half. You have a limited number of possessions. A few punts are forced, and all of a sudden that game completely changes. So we know that McKinnon has a role that's valuable. Last season, from weeks 18 to weeks 21, scored 66 total points. Now, at, during that stretch, he didn't have the level of competition for touches, so he'll probably have to start the season this year. But with McKinnon, you're hoping that he starts. He has a little bit of standalone value. I mean, he starts playing, not necessarily as the starter. He's he has a role, he has a little bit of standalone value, and then. As the season progresses, we don't want anybody to get hurt. It's hard for NFL football players to not. But regardless of what happens, we want him to consolidate his role in the Chiefs offense as an important piece who has, you know, not really Danny Woodhead or Darren Sproles or like very top James White season type of upside where those guys are actually like in that RB6, RB7 type of range. I mean, that's probably above the actual season ceiling for Jarek McKinnon, but to get in a stretch where he has, you know, RB 12 to RB 15 type of upside. And during that stretch, you know, you can play him. So you you plug him in as your RB two. I think that's very realistic.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
3: MyPatriotSupply.com
1: Moving into the top 10 now, Sean, and luck we joked last year about the king of the running back dead zone was Mike Davis, but Mike Davis did play a substantial role, particularly in the early part of the season with the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, Cardwell Patterson was the real breakout, very, very late round pick, sometimes undrafted up until the last kind of week or so of the season. He is going now, though, as the lead back in the Atlanta backfield, but they did draft Tyler Algier this year, he did slip to 151st in the NFL draft. May not have the athleticism that we mentioned that Jarek McKinnon would have in terms of that five of the group, but when we look at this five, there's some interesting names in it. But Tyler Algier, what stood out for you to add him to the list and particularly to, to get him to the top 10? Obviously, that there is obviously ranked by ADP, but he is kind of currently going in an interesting range of the draft.
2: Yes. So it was disappointing to see him fall, but he does go into a situation with the Atlanta Falcons that is pretty much perfect, right? You look at what he's done from a production standpoint, 2020 averages 7.5 yards per carry. 2021 jumps up to 278 attempts. He catches 28 more passes. He goes over 1,800 yards from scrimmage. He doesn't have the elite measurables, but he still earns comps like James Conner, Zach Moss, Eddie Lacy, Especially Connor and Lacey. We know those guys have scored some fantasy points on occasion. And uh, this is a player who probably outperforms the tested athleticism. His breakaway rush score of 78. You contrast that to guys like Pacheco, who we just mentioned, who is 38. Tyrion Davis, Price, 34. Brian Robinson, 33. Damian Pierce, 23. This is a guy who was able to break some big plays at BYU. He looks very impressive from a size athleticism standpoint when you're watching him play even just in these preseason games we know he's gotten a little bit trendier now after scoring two touchdowns in preseason week three that's really one of the reasons that we do like him he has this potential to be a goal line threat for them you mentioned mike davis disappointed last season but even within the context of disappointing he still finished At 9.5 expected points per game. That's a range where uh, someone is playable, especially if you think that they have individual touchdown upside in any particular game when you throw them out there. But the real thing is that they probably wanted Davis to be above that 9.5, right? In the first five games of the season, he was at 15 and then sort of played himself out of the role. We could see the opposite with Algier, where he starts at kind of the lower level that Mike Davis was at in the second half of last season really the second fiddle to Cordero Patterson. But then as the season progresses, we know this Falcons team is still very much in the building process. They're in the talent acquisition phase. They probably don't want to overexpose Cordero Patterson. Algier could be that 15 EP per game guy down the stretch. And that's exactly when you need him for fantasy.
1: Sean, as we move into that top five, obviously the top five is what people probably are messaging the most about who's going to be sean's top five guys this year how does it play out you know but the key is that then when we do these drafts because they're based on adp the top five maybe aren't essentially able to be on the one roster because they're going to go in similar ranges in terms of adp usually if you can get two of these guys in dream scenarios you might get three of them but a lot of the time what you're doing is the 15 and i even sent sean a a screenshot of a draft i did after that it came out and had five of the top 15 that's probably what you're hoping to get in terms of that overall build but sean this one here a few interesting names in it we won't go through them all but the one i did want to bring up because i even had somebody who did a draft recently and they sent me the draft and they were like oh i took and it's gonna be this guy's name and then i was like well surprise for you he's on the zero rb list uh so we have talked quite a bit about his running mate and that is Ramondre stevenson being the other side of this coin but damian harris makes the list at number three Obviously, we have Ramon Ray-Stevenson, a superb talent, looked really strong at points last year, but Damian Harris also had a, a monster season. He had 15 total touchdowns on the season last year, and this is a similar situation, Sean, to last year, maybe with Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. Both of those guys were going in a similar range. The ADP started to change, and then now in this situation, Harris is the least expensive of the two. So obviously, it's hard to bet against Ramon Ray-Stevenson, but it's also hard to get a bet against... Damian Harris and his talent of what he showed last year how are you breaking down that Patriots backfield and and what's your thoughts on Harris as he is number three on the list
2: the Patriots are, are always going to be a controversial one we know their backs have been tricky to play in recent seasons but the overall size of the pie can help last year their backs scored the second most total points in fantasy so even once you split that up you still have some scoring that's one of the reasons why Damian harris ended up being a pretty good pick for people last season i included him on the list as a little bit of a contrarian play and to force myself to make sure i didn't get too lazy or content in terms of the types of players that i'm drafting the preference would be to take someone like Ramondre stevenson where you're looking at him and thinking okay this guy could be david johnson this guy could be Le'Veon bell if Damian Harris gets hurt or gets traded, that traded part seems far less likely now, since Ty Montgomery might not be healthy at the beginning of the season. There are backups behind that, maybe not playing quite to the level that they would be comfortable with getting rid of him. But Ramondre Stevenson, very easy to see how he could finish as a top five overall back, certainly a top five back, say over the second half of the season. 230 pounds. He was number one, number two in the NFL last year with a 14.3% broken tackle rate. You look at Harris and the numbers aren't as gaudy, but they're still impressive, right? We're talking about a player who was an elite goal line back last year, his numbers, and you can pull this up and get in the really cool stealing signals tool. Looking at those numbers inside the five, very similar to James Conner, Austin Eckler, those backs, much more expensive. Now, those backs also have some other things in their profile. Potentially elite receiving backs as well, but I don't think that Harris is that similar to LeGarrette Blunt, who had 13 touchdowns on 29 in close attempts in 2016. But again, one of the things that it reinforces is that this Patriots offense can potentially do that. Damien Harris, a better talent, I think, that people realize. He's probably one of the best pre-contact runners in football. He joins. Daryl Henderson, Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders, kind of in that group, averaged 2.5 yards before contact in 2020, Up that up to 2.1 last year. The thing that really separates, separates him from Henderson and Sanders is he balances that pre-contact ability with post-contact toughness, obviously not a small back, averaged 2.6 after contact in 2020, 2.4 last year. As a result, his yardage efficiency ends up being fantastic, right? Now, the question I think that everybody has and that I get asked a lot is what about now? Because Josh McDaniels is gone. They're trying to change the offense to more of a Shanahan type of offense. They appear to have non-offensive coaches in charge of some of these things. That part maybe not the best. And yeah, I think that the upside eventually will get to be better bill belichick has talked about how now within this new offense they may use these guys more for a three down workload if you take out the the 4.7 receiving ep the brandon bolden average last year and obviously james white played for a couple games he was over six jj taylor pulled out a little bit as well maybe they won't have as much receiving upside within the context of this new offense but if you add a little bit to Harris, if you add a little bit to Stevenson, if they're both playing three downs on some of their drives, you can see how that is going to add to the receiving numbers. It also creates a dynamic where if Stevenson is the one who misses some time, then Harris has immense upside in that stretch. And now that we've moved into this context where he's like three rounds less expensive, You have to consider betting on him. One of the things that we don't like to do is bet on the guy who simply has the week one workload. If that player is in round five and the backup who actually has a better chance of of getting the full workload is in round 13, I mean, that's a no-brainer. It gets more difficult once you switch it to where the backup is actually more expensive. Now, this may be a, a case of 1A, 1B. It may be a case where Stevenson is the 1a but he's going ahead of brandon Ayuk, ahead of Devonte smith that is tricky from a overall structure perspective you probably don't want to let yourself in too many drafts get kind of caught by the wide receiver avalanche maybe if you're not concerned about that you still feather in a little bit of stevenson but if you're worried too that the patriots are going to be bad this year or they're going to get off to a slow start then that probably hits the more expensive player more because you need the early production and you need the elite production, the ceiling production from that player more than you need the guy who's being drafted two or three rounds later. And again, the two or three rounds may not be the big deal. It's the tier break. That's the big deal. And I do think that they are on two different sides of a pretty significant tier break in 2022. All of those things lead me to believe that if there is upside, the best way to get access to it is probably through a player who is more talented than at least I've been giving him credit for. Maybe in general, the fantasy community is is higher on him, but more talented than I've given him credit for and has this potential now to move into a profile that's very good for fantasy scoring. You know, One of the things I I mentioned recently in discussing this with a number of other very sharp drafters is just this idea that the Patriots are probably a little bit different than, you know, 28, 29 other teams. You, when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, I don't think that they were necessarily upset with their offensive coordinator last year, but you did have some rumors that maybe they wanted him to get a head coaching job because their other option was to fire him. They bring back the failed head coach from the Chicago Bears. I mean, you've got some guys on the Kansas City Chiefs staff maybe there are some question marks about yet no one's concerned about kansas city now you can say that's because of patrick mahomes that's very different than having mac jones and what he can cover up but on the one side you have andy reed on the other you have bill belichick this patriots team is a unit that i believe during one of their super bowl runs they lost in week one or week two to the buffalo bills like a bazillion to zero or negative 30 or something i was that the exact score, Colin?
1: I don't know the exact score, but I think you're thinking of the we're on to Cincinnati season where they got blown out in week one and then they decided to go and run the league, basically.
2: So yeah, I mean, is it a good thing that the Patriots have struggled with their offense in the preseason and have very odd coaches in charge of it? No, I mean that, that worries me like it worries everybody. But one of the things that you can potentially put together just these power complete you know, league crushing teams because of is when you look at situations where the pricing is wrong because everybody is concerned about the same thing or concerned about something that is valid but could flip. And you know, no, we don't want to go out there and just chase points off of all of the bad teams. One of the running jokes you and I have had, Colm, is that <laughs> our best ball teams are... Really heavily playing the week 17 Seahawks Jets matchup. If you have some Seahawks and Jets on your team, you probably want to have some good players or some players off good teams for the rest of the team. But when you have elite talents and you have situations where the offense is expected to be bad, so much of the downside is baked into the price, whereas the upside you're getting for free. I'm not suggesting you're getting Harris upside for free. He still goes in a range where there are plenty of other good players. You want to be careful about what you're doing there. Get some exposure to more than the one guy. But I've come around on his talent. And I think that six weeks from now or eight weeks from now, we're all likely to be looking at these this Patriots offense in a very different light.
1: Yeah, I think so. And you, you made a very good point there talking about the price differences and the fact that there's a, there's a lot of times we'll talk on the show about players that we don't draft because we the players that are going – in the same range are too valuable to pass up on. You mentioned Branton Ayuk and Devontae Smith there going in the range now where Stevenson's going, which makes that a challenging pick. But then once you go past that, there is a tear break, and it makes it very interesting. Then for Harris, obviously, we'll have some updates to the zero RB list over the next couple of weeks before the season kicks off here. But yeah, definitely you need to be reading it up on rotaviz.com. Sean, you mentioned the game and i'm going to go back it was, the game i'm thinking of was the chiefs and the patriots in 2014 and just looking through some of the information it was 41 to 14 in the game i'm looking at jamal charles returned from an injury to score three touchdowns tom brady was picked off twice and if we go back and look at some of the headlines i do see here i won't name the website but embarrassing monday night football blowout loss to the Chiefs sounds death nail for the patriots dynasty that was the 30th of september 2014 I think the Patriots went on to win four more Super Bowls after that point before Tom Brady left to win another Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so yeah fun times but uh, that circles us back to the Patriots running backs and I think they're going to be interesting to follow this year but that is going to do it for today's edition of the Road of His podcast hopefully you've enjoyed listening in Sean does have a contest ongoing at the moment if you check the link in the tweet today it will give you some information about how you can enter but you can win a $350 FFPC football draft with Sean. Do get involved. It will be quite an exciting opportunity to get to draft. I'm fortunate enough to get to draft with Sean on a semi-regular basis throughout the preseason. I would recommend it highly to enter that contest. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter, add over to Marlon. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel check out all of sean's work including what we talked about today which is linked in the description of today's show that is the zero rb list but until we are back with another show have a good one